All right, you can be seated. Glad you guys are here this this morning. I woke up and heard the thunder, and I thought, man, I really like the sunshine much better. But God, you know what you're doing, so it is what it is. Glad you're here with us. We opened last week with a new summer series that that we're going to carry on through today, and and the idea we set aside set up three big ideas about God. We looked at the scripture and we set up three big ideas about God. God is He exists. It, 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 people can deny God's existence. We can, we can argue it. We can debate it. You can say, oh, I don't believe in God. And people do it all the time. But the truth is, or the reality is in that, is that it takes just as much, maybe more faith to deny God than to accept his existence based on what we see around us. And we, we looked at and considered, you know, the idea of design and, and the necessity of a designer. God is creator. The next big idea, God is creator, and as creator has determined the orientation and purpose of his creation. As creator, you know, God, it's kind of like the person who first came up with frying pans and pots and pans, period. You know, they didn't make those for any other purpose than to cook. And last week I used the illustration of of, uh, Edison and the light bulb. Why did he make the light bulb? Give light. You know, the person who designed it, who, who, who invents it and who makes it, they, they have, they're in a u- unique position to determine what the purpose is or the use is and, and where it belongs in creation. Well, God, being overall, being creator, he, he gets to say basically how everything else works. God alone is worthy to be worshipped. The third, third big idea we set up and looked at in the Scripture, God alone is worthy to be worshipped. Everything else is a cheap imitation, a God of our own creation, a God that we can control. And if we can control it, and we can, and we and we've made it and created it, then that then that God, that lesser God, that little G God, resides under us. Is that really a God to be worshipped? I mean, if if we're as jacked up as we are, as we as if we have as many problems in our life as we do, the God that we create and make up of our own design is that the God that's worthy of worship? Or is the God of the Bible? Those three big ideas are going to kind of lead us through and be the foundational piece that leads us all the way through the summer, but especially, particularly in this first mini-series. It's going to, it's going to be the thread that ties it all together. Because of, God, because of who God is, because of His identity, because of how He's revealed Himself to us, there's a direct relevance to us. It affects every bit of who we are. In fact, outside of who God is, we really don't make sense. But because mankind denied and ignored God, we experience wrath. We experience confusion. We experience trouble and trial and difficulty and problems. We experience things like tornadoes and, and the creation not, not, not treating us or, or befriending us in all cases, earthquakes, natural disasters. We experience death and loss, and hurt, and pain, because not only do we lose family members and friends to death, but we lose them when they deny us or reject us. That's a, that's a terrible and hurtful moment in life. That's all a result of our sin and a result of God's wrath. The scripture says our hearts are darkened. We don't even understand what's good and bad anymore. We don't even, we don't even have a good perspective of, of good and bad anymore. Which is really ironic when the first sin was eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. 
something went wrong. There was a big lie told that was, that was believed. We don't understand our design. We don't understand what our purpose is. And, and you hear people all the time just trying to figure out what I'm created for. You know, maybe, maybe I don't know, maybe you're old enough to remember these little cartoons of, of people climbing up the side of a mountain to the little Hindu guy sitting on top. And what's the purpose of life? We want to know. We want to know. We've, we've missed it. You see, the unfortunate truth is that, that the vast majority of people in our world, this is where they reside. It's where they live. That's, it's where they call home. It's what they think, all, all they know. I mean, it, it's, it's, like the, it's like the little kid who grows up on a trash heap. He, he just doesn't know any different. They don't know any better. And for those of us, for those of us who have been given life in Christ, who have received life in Christ, we have been given ears to hear and eyes to see, and we can see that there is something better, that there's more. Let me, let me just encourage you with this. If you're sitting in this room today and, 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 and you don't know Christ yet, but you recognize that there's something more, that there's something better, that you're missing it, that, that something has gone wrong, oh, pay attention to that. Pay attention, because that's a perspective that by ourselves we can't gain. But for us, for, for those of us on, on, the, on the winning side of salvation, on the saved side of salvation, we don't just get to know about God in some distant thought or some, some list of categories or some knowledge-based system. We get to know Him intimately. The God who created wants you to know Him, to experience Him, to, 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 to walk with Him. In the garden, it talked, about, it talked about that Adam and Eve would walk with God in the cool of the garden. I look at us now and I wonder why God would want to walk with us, but God wants us to walk with Him. Now, in our salvation, in, in our works, or in our, I'm sorry, in our life as receiving salvation, we were really passive recipients. We were given a gift and all we could do was receive it. But in who we are now, we are active participants called to know God. And Christians Christians, you don't have to live in vic as victims. You don't have to live in confusion. You don't have to live with doubt and fear and worry and anxiety. You don't have to carry the stress of life because you get to know God. See, that's, that's what I want for you. That's what I long through the summer as, as we study these things in our sermons and we and we work through the book that your community groups are going to work through, I want you to know God to experience Him firsthand. And so we, we're going to take the time to do that. And today, we're dealing with God's greatness. Beyond those three big ideas about God, we get more specific pictures of God. We get more specific information about God. And today, I can only introduce it to you. All I can do for you today is give you the idea, to give you the instruction or the, the introduction 
but as an active participant called to pursue your relationship with God, called to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It's yours to take and walk with it and, and trust it and hold it close. As we, as we consider God's greatness, as we consider God's greatness, I, I don't know of any other thing more applicable or relevant in our life than our sense of control. You see, this affects us directly. God being great affects us directly. Let me just ask some questions. How many of you have worried this week about something? Felt a little nervous or anxious? Wow, you guys are honest. It's great. You guys are used to me asking you to raise your hands. That's Felt nervous, anxious about something, you know. Maybe, maybe, and I know somebody like this, maybe you have this plan you know, you got this certain way. You already figured out how conversations are going to go. You've already figured out how circumstances are going are to flow. You're, you've already figured out the next three months of your life. In fact, you know them so well that if somebody says a date, you know what day that date is. Like if I said, I don't know, July 17th, you would know that's a Wednesday. I don't know if it's a Wednesday. Somebody here does. Because you've planned this so closely. And then, as you approach your plan, it begins to kind of fall apart. Things aren't working out the way you wanted them to. It causes anxiety. You begin to worry. Maybe you're not worrying about yourself in your own circumstance. Maybe you're worrying about someone else and where they're at and their circumstance. Oh, if I could just get them to do this, they would be okay. If they would just listen to me here in this issue, if they would just listen, I got the answer for them. I, maybe, maybe it's not worry. I don't, I don't myself deal with worry. I, I'm fortunate in that. I, it's not because I'm not concerned. It's just something I guess I've been blessed with, thankfully. But how about frustration and anger? This is a place where I, I used to reside a little more. In fact, I, I've got to be honest with you today. There's a guy that used to work with me at, at Worldwide, and he knew how angry and frustrated I'd get about things. Sometimes it was my boss. Sometimes it was the guys that worked for me. Just be honest. Sometimes, and this sounds irrational, sometimes it was the airplanes themselves. More often than not, it was really because I needed to control the situations but couldn't control the situations. And I fought this losing battle. And I thought, man, if I, I just got to make this happen. So I'd work long hours, spend lots of time at a hangar. And that hangar did not love me, I can tell you. Spent long hours there trying to make it happen. Caused a lot of stress in my life and my family's life. How many, how many of you have dealt with stress this week? And felt it, maybe, maybe, just maybe you're, you're thinking, you know, I, I just, there's so much to do. You know, busyness, that's the norm of life these days. If you're not busy, there's something wrong with you. We have all these contraptions to make life easier. All it's done for us is allowed ourselves to shove more into the limited time we have. And all of a sudden, well, it depends on you getting it done. Maybe you're stressed about money. For some of us, it just never seems we have enough. 
and we got this stress. I, I don't know. I, I can't tell you what the root cause is. But I'd venture a guess that the stress we feel, the anxiety we struggle with, the, the, the frustration and the anger that builds inside of us at times is often driven by our desire to control something we have absolutely no ability to control. We want to be greater than we are to fill a place that we don't belong to do things we're incapable of doing. And, and here's the thing, we know, I mean, you're sitting here thinking in this context, knowing, I can't control everything. I'm lucky if I can control what I'm doing, much less what anybody else does. But there's too many variables. I thought it was going to be sunny when I woke up this morning. I was so looking forward to climbing on my motorcycle, driving here and just feeling the wind on my face, you know, and the little bit of hair I got. I can't control that. I'm stuck driving that old truck. That's not any fun. There's no control. And I have no ability to control that. I, I could be wrong. Maybe your worry and anxiety and your frustration and anger and your the stress, maybe it's driven by something else. But I bet I'm not the only one in this room that wants to control. And I wish, I wish I had an easy answer for you. I wish that today I could give you four steps. Here's the answers. Boom, boom, boom. If you do these things, you'll have no more struggle. Life will just all make sense. Tomorrow when you wake up, the lights are on, and you got it, and you can just go about life, and it's, it's all hunky-dory. But I got one answer. One answer. In fact, that's the only answer Scripture gives us. And, and that answer is a lifelong pursuit and battle. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You see, the one answer we have the one answer we have is to know the God who is great. To know the God who has control. To know the God who has the power to have control. To know the God who's sovereign and sees all things and knows all things and has, has, uh, is, is present everywhere at all times. It's to know that God that gives us hope, that gives us opportunity, that brings us peace. In fact, today, it's going to be a little different than what we typically do. Typically, I'll take a passage, just a few verses, and I'll make several points in that one passage. Today, other than what we've set up here, it's not really my preaching. I'm, I've, I've got one point, and I'm going to share with you a whole lot of verses. So we need to get to it. You need to listen close. I'm bound to get excited and say things that aren't in my notes. We'll just push through and get this as much as possible. God is great. God is great. You know, there's that little children's prayer. God is good. God is great. Let us thank him for our food. Even we, we teach our kids things like that to help them see that his provision, and, and it, it comes out of his greatness. God is great. The thing is, is that in the scripture, everywhere you turn, from the very beginning, from the very first words that he spoke in Genesis, God said, Genesis 1, 3, let there be light. And there was light. You know, I wish I had that power. Let there be a thousand bucks in my account. 
I got some stuff I want to buy. Poof. Wouldn't that be awesome? I can't do that. Do you, if you know somebody that can, tell them to do that for me. Because I want a thousand bucks in my account. It doesn't just, it doesn't stop at the beginning. But all the way to the end, in some of the very last words he spoke in Revelation 22, 12 through 13, Behold, I am coming soon. Jesus is coming back. Bringing my recompense with me to repay everyone for what he's done. That doesn't sound all that promising for those outside of Christ. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. And then he defines that for us, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. But the beauty is, is that when he says that, he's not just saying I'm there in the beginning and I'm there in the end. He's saying I'm in it all together. There's not a moment in which my greatness, my existence, my presence doesn't matter. You can turn to any story of the Bible. In fact, your favorite verses in the Bible, your, your life verses, those, those verses that mean something to you and when you're struggling, you remember them. Those verses, those stories, they teach us and reveal to us the greatness of God. Everywhere, everywhere. Consider Noah. Noah. It's, a, it's an old story and we, we really like, you know, we like to whitewash it a little bit. We make this, put smiles on the animals and make Noah all happy about being in that boat. And the reality is it was a horrible time. But who stood in authority and judgment and flooded the world? Who decreed that it needed to happen? Who determined that all of man's thoughts all the time were nothing but evil? God did. Who chose a family to save, to extend the line of man? Who, who chose to, to give that family and the, the, the leader Noah of that, of that family, who chose to give him plans to build an ark and, 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 and plans to save certain animals and plans to save his family? God did. Who brought the rain? Who stopped the rain? And then, who made the covenant when it was all said and done? Who made the covenant with Noah? That he would never destroy the earth in that manner again. And now, every time a rainbow is seen, that, that, that's to be a reminder that God made a covenant with him. Thousands of years ago, God met Noah on a mountain. Said, I'll never do it this way again. I'll never, never destroy the world like this again. God did. This wasn't the work of man. This wasn't the, the, the plan of, of, of Noah and his family. This wasn't in their capabilities. Do you know anyone else that can do that? I don't. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Why do we tell stories about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Why is it important for our children? And it was, man, it was such a blessing to watch the kids go out today. We had as many kids go out as people are sitting in here. That's, man, that is so exciting to me. Why is it important to people that their, their children learn about these things? Why, why do we tell stories about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Because God in his greatness intervened in their life 
Do you think we would remember them if they were any other person that lived in that time? We don't really remember anybody else. It's not like there's, there's stories told around campfires about anybody else. Moses and the Israelites leading them out of Egypt. We, we remember them. They mean something to us because God decided they mattered. Because it, it, it mattered to God and he decided it mattered. And so they become important to us. One of my favorite books of the Bible, Job, it, it's not all fun reading. Oh, man, there's some powerful truths there. Job suffered violently. I mean, he suffered in some horrendous ways under a test and kind of at the result of a bet. Job suffered. His friends show up in the midst of his suffering and they say, Hey, Job, let me tell you why you're suffering. There's something seriously wrong with you. You've done something to tick God off and now he's getting even with you. His wife looks at him and says, Job, curse God and die. Job, man, he struggles. He asks questions, why, why? I mean, he, he grieves the day he was born. In the midst of it all, at a point in, in, in the story, God shows up and answers him maybe so that we can all hear the answer. And we never have to ask why again. We never have to wonder why. We can. We certainly can. But in the midst of Job's suffering and struggles, God shows up and he, he looks at Job and he says, in Job 38, 4 through 6, Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Where, where were you when God laid the foundation of the earth? I mean, what if God showed up and asked you that question? Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched a line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? In that passage, in, the, in just that few verses, and there's more around it, God really demonstrates that He was great in creation. He's great in creation. Creation, But he's not just great at the moment of creation. He goes on, and in Job 38, 39 through 41, God goes on for a couple of chapters, three chapters with Job, just letting him see where he stands. And God says, can you hunt the prey for the lion or satisfy the appetite of the young lions? When they crouch in their dens or lie in wait in their thicket, who provides for the raven its prey? When its young ones cry to God for help and wonder about for lack of food. Uh, do we have a part in making sure that every animal intended to live is getting food and is, has a place to live? You see, God in his greatness just didn't create, but he holds it together. God maintains his creation. The things that are going on that no person is there to see, God is making sure continue. He's that great. Job 48 through 13 says, in this moment, God, God brings it really straight home and puts it right down in front of Job. And he says, Job, I'm even greater than you. And so hear that as me saying, or God saying, you, God is even greater than you. God is greater than you. 
He says, chapter 48 through 13, will you even put me in the wrong? See, Job, man, he was struggling. He, he didn't know what was going on and he was trying to figure it out. He's looking for answers. Are, are you going to accuse God? Will you condemn me that you may be in the right? Who hasn't done that? Tried to justify ourselves and make ourselves look as if we don't deserve anything but what we determine is good. Have you an arm like God? And can you thunder with a voice like His? These are God's questions. Adorn yourself with the majesty and dignity. Clothe yourself with glory and splendor. Pour out the overflowings of your anger and look on everyone who is proud and abase him. Look on everyone who is proud and bring him low and tread down the wicked where they stand. Hide them all in the dust together, bind their faces in the world below. You see, if you go to the book of Job and you try to understand suffering, you're going to miss it. The book of Job is all about God's sovereignty. You see, there is nothing that happens in creation that God doesn't either allow or cause. You can see it start in the story of Job from the very beginning to the very end. And he comes to this place where he sets it right in front of Job. Who are you to question me? Who are you? And we can't consider God's greatness without hearing from the psalmist. The psalms, they're, they're beautiful. They're, they're really psalms. We don't sing them most of the time today, but, but it, it gives us a demonstration. What we did this morning as we sang together about the greatness of God, you can see that all through the Psalms, how these people in, our, in, in, in history, in Jewish culture, before the Messiah came, they would gather and they would sing together of the greatness of God. They would sing these words like Psalm 97, 1 through 6, The Lord reigns, let the earth rejoice, let the many coastlands be glad. Clouds and thick darkness are all around Him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of His throne Fire goes before him and burns up his adversaries all around. His lightnings light up the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord. That line right there draws such a picture in my mind. I'm moved by mountains. I, I love to, to be in the mountains. We, we had an opportunity a couple of years ago to, to go to Vail. And, and uh, it was a conference that was there. And as we were there, to be surrounded by the vast the, the majestic Rocky Mountains. I mean, they, 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 they were huge, beautiful. They made me feel so small. It was the middle of summer, and we were surrounded at times, or, or, or surrounded by white tops because there was snow on those mountains. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord. It's like a candle somebody lit. And it melts away. Before the Lord of all the earth, the heavens proclaim His righteousness, and all the peoples see His glory. Psalm 139, another one of my favorites in all of the Bible. In the, in the very early days of what God was doing in my life as He called me into ministry and called me to this life, He used this in a mighty way to let me know. See, I'd been running. I'd been angry at God. I'd been bitter because it hadn't worked out like I thought it was supposed to. I'd basically given Him the burden, gone the other direction and said, I don't need you. And here I am running from the God that, that this speaks of. Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. 
He didn't, he didn't just know. He didn't just know about the good stuff that was going on inside of me. That would be acceptable in front of people. He knew about all the crap and the darkness. Oh, Lord. You have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. Those things that nobody else hears, he knows them. He knows. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. He knows where we're headed. He, he knows before we get there whether we're going to go left or right. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O oh Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. There's a protection that we don't even recognize. Puts his hand on us. He hems us in. He protects us. There is nothing that gets to his people that he doesn't allow to get to his people. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Our minds are feeble compared to him. Where shall I go from your spirit? Oh, where shall I flee from your presence? I'm running. I'm running. Where should I go? Where can I get away from him? If I take wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even your hand shall lead me. Your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. You can't hide. You know what that did to a to a guy who was running? And I quit running. <laughs> Where am I going to go? He's everywhere. He already knows where I'm headed. He knows what I'm thinking. In Psalm 145, 1 through 3, I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great. Great is the Lord. That's the one point. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And His greatness is unsearchable. It doesn't mean that we're unable to search it out. It doesn't mean that we can't figure things out about His greatness. It doesn't mean that we can't at some level comprehend His greatness. It simply means that there's no way we can measure His greatness. His greatness is something we will be discovering forever and ever. That's how great God is. Man. And then His prophet. He spoke. Jeremiah knew that God knew beforehand the plans to prosper, the plans to bless. He knew. Isaiah spoke words that no one could believe would come true. 700 years before the virgin gave birth, Isaiah proclaimed it. 700 years before your Savior suffered, Isaiah proclaimed it. 
The prophets, so they, they reveal God's greatness and his knowledge. Before anything comes to be, God knows it. But maybe, just maybe, the place that we see God's greatness most clearly is in his son, Jesus Christ. You know why Jesus came? Some might think, oh, to seek and to save the lost. What does that mean? You know what Jesus came to do? Enable us to know his father. It says in Colossians 1, 15 through 19, he is the image of the invisible God. That's Jesus, the firstborn of all creation. That's Jesus. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth. That's Jesus, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. That's Jesus. And in him all things hold together. That's Jesus. And he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. That's Jesus. For in him, that's Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. You see, in Jesus, we have God come down to earth, wrapped in flesh, taking on the nature of a man, humbling himself to die in our place for our sins. Your great God did that great work. But he's not dead. You see, there's an empty tomb. An empty tomb tomb that nobody could describe or nobody could explain away and all they could do is come up with a lie that didn't hold water. His disciples came and stole his body. His disciples, 12, at this point, 11 dudes that were scared to death and running and hiding came and beat up the Roman guards who were trained to fight and kill, rolled away a stone, took the body, and then later they died because they took the body. That does not make sense. Jesus, our great God, is alive. You see, that is the greatness of God. Not even death can hold him. The, the thing that seems so final and powerful to us, the thing that, that seems to bring everything to an end to us, even that submits to God. These, these passages, they speak of his omnipotence. He is all-powerful. Who else do we know that can speak and things come to be? Who else do we know who has the power to direct the course of history? His omnipresence. He's present everywhere at all times. Who else can know what's going to happen in your life next? We, most of us don't even know for sure that we got the next second. Well, we made it. When we make it to the next one, I, I, I don't know. He does. His omniscience. God doesn't have to learn. His knowledge is complete. He knows. He knows all about the creation. He knows all about you. It speaks of his position in the created order. There are none above him. Ask the question. I dare you, be like Job. I don't want God to show up and question me like he did Job. Maybe you do. This speaks of his sovereign rule and authority. Nothing occurs 
in his creation that he doesn't already know about and has either allowed or caused for his purposes. Those are difficult for us to grasp. We, like the psalmist, sit here and think, that is knowledge that is too high for me. I cannot attain it. I can't grasp it. How is it possible? How is it possible? I don't know how it's possible. I told you I don't have an easy answer. I got one answer. God is great. You want to find answers and and, and find a way to deal with the stress of life and the worries and the anxieties? You want to be able to rest in the midst of this? You want to find peace? You want to know joy? Know this great God. Today all I can do is introduce you to Him. Many of you know Him. Many Many of you have been walking with Him and have experienced this yourselves. Many of you know this about Him. You need to put it in play. You need, to, you need to make it like the shoes you're wearing right now and walk in it. You need to make it a part of your life. So you can choose right now. You can choose right now how you're going to respond to God's revelation of Himself in the Scripture. I mean, the Scripture shows us the natural response to God's greatness is to praise Him. Every point that this comes to, people are like, God, you're so great. I can't help but praise you. You excite me. It's wonderful to know you. And you can trust him. See, alongside the worship, alongside the adoration, alongside that that sense of joy that comes from from knowing the greatness of God and, and knowing, man, I'm with him. If he's for me, who can be against me? You see, is learning to trust Him. How do you learn to trust somebody? You walk with them. You get to know them. You let them prove themselves to you. I don't have to fear that you'll be let down by God. Because God is great. Or, you could deny Him. You could hear these truths. You get to decide they're not true. Just believe they're a lie. And you can keep kicking against the goads, trying to find your own way, make a name for yourself, control your world, control your life. Try to fill a role that you are totally incapable of filling on your own. That's not what I want for any one of you. I want you to know God. I want you to experience Him. I want, you to, I want you to hear words of His greatness. And they move you emotionally because you recognize where they led you from and where they've led you to. I want you in a year to be able to look back and see. Oh God, you're great. Look at who I was. Look at what I was trusting in. Look at how angry I used to be. Look at how worried I always was, how fearful I lived. Great. Giving me courage, boldness, and joy and peace. I wish I had an easy answer for you. It takes one step. One step. And then another. And then another. 
No, no, no. Walking with God. Trusting in his greatness. That's where we find our rest. Let's pray. God, thank you for showing us your greatness. Thank you for letting us see it. Thank you, Father, for sending your Son to reveal yourself, for speaking through the prophets that we might know, for interceding with man and working among us that, that we could see it and learn to begin to trust in it. God, move in us now and, and give us this experience for ourselves. I, I'm going to ask God that in these, in, in these people here, sitting here in this moment, that you'll remind them and reveal to them how you have been working and revealing your greatness, that they might see it right now. And it might, they, they might know, God, that this is not just a story that's been told but something that's real and that they've experienced for themselves. Jesus, please. If there's people here today that, that don't know your Father, would you work to introduce them in this moment? Spirit, Holy Spirit, move. Open our eyes to the truth. Show us what the lie is that we might repent from it and turn. We can't be our own gods. We know it. We, we can't control our lives. We, we know it. But we know the God that can. Help us apply that. Give us strength for it. It's all these things I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.